Hey, everybody, and welcome to the final installment of 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I am Andrea Pagnosi, your host. I have also been incredibly dedicated to getting everybody in 2022 to realizing their true career potential. And I know many out of out there have been very successful in that this year. I want to salute you. I think that the more that I speak to people who've been listening to the program, the more that I realized how important this program actually was to so many people. I think that finding a job today isn't an easy process. I think some people were still very much underestimating the fact that it is, in fact, a process and we're not taking the steps they needed to. And I have heard wonderful things about how empowering this program was. And for that, I'm not only grateful, but I'm also grateful to the 42 people who joined the program program as speakers this year who were sharing their wisdom and their time and their knowledge with us. And I cannot be more grateful to them for that. For my listeners, I want to thank everyone for your interest in how to get to your best next career. And for those that are still on that journey, stay the course because the people I've spoken with that have landed somewhere and they've taken time and really thought about the future and really listened to the programs and started to apply some of that wisdom, it's only paid off bigger dividends. So stick with the process. I know it gets really, really difficult at times to keep the momentum going. And so our final stop on this journey is a topic that many of us suffer from, and that is overcoming what I refer to as sometimes in your life. When your journey is interrupted by lack of vision, lack of patience, lack of energy, negativity. I don't want to discount that there are some clinical reasons why some people can't stay the course. ADD, ADHD, severe anxiety and clinical depression, just to name a few. I think we've all been guilty of binge watching a show or two, but every now and again, the surge of energy and you push towards something better and then something happens and it knocks you off your course again. It's a very jagged road. It's a very windy road, this process of finding better things for your life to thrive within. I am still fiercely dedicated to getting everybody there. And one of the things that helps you get there faster is by staying the course sustainably. And that's how we get over the sometimesing of our lives, the moments when we have those surges of energy and then we flounder. So today we're going to talk about sustainability, finding ways to keep your energy up and your ability to thrive up, finding ways to take the 52 weeks of empowerment you've been listening to on a weekly basis, go back to listen to them because we're going to keep these episodes up and rejuvenate and re-energize. And that's a hard thing to do on your own. So we're going to talk about some strategies that can help keep you on track long after 52 weeks is over. So the first step is an important one, and that is to adopt a sustainability mindset. For years, I was in training and development in the corporate environment, and we would see a fire and we put it out. There would be a need for some sort of skill development, and we'd either build it ourselves or we'd work with a training agency to build a program for us. We'd execute the workshop, and then that would be it. 
people would leave the meeting and they'd be refreshed and rejuvenated and energized and ready to go, go, go. And then six months later, that agency that created the workshop would follow up with us and say, hey, what were the outcomes? How did it go? And we're like, it didn't go anywhere because nobody was keeping it alive. And there's literally studies that will show you that when a company institutes a training on something, if the leadership doesn't immediately follow it up with continuous reiteration of what was learned and holding people accountable to what was learned, it will fall short. Within five weeks, 87% of the learning is lost if it isn't continuously and immediately followed up by leadership. It's called accountability. It's called sustaining what you committed to do. So when you talk about sustainability theory, Will looks at three different angles, social, economic, and environmental. And to some degree, no matter what type of sustainability you're looking at, training, agile scrum, any type of sustainability measure that you may be looking at in an organization, these three things come up, social, economic, and environmental considerations. So step one is consider the long-term implications of staying stuck in a place where that training isn't going to apply or actually executing it. Take a look at anything in your life. Now, in this case, we're talking about finding a new job or staying in the job you're in and getting promoted or working to better the situation that you're in and, and staying there. One of the things that we look at is social. So what are the social complications if I don't do those things? Well, right now I'm working overtime, so I'm missing a lot of my kids' lives. My wife or husband isn't speaking to me because I'm missing these events, and I'm also missing anniversaries, birthdays, and other things. I am no fun to live with and no fun to be around. I basically have no friends because work is life to me life is work. So because of that, and because of not doing anything about it, I stay in those social inequities. Economically, I make what I make. I'm hoping to make more. And I think that by working all these hours, I'm going to suddenly be on somebody's radar to be promoted, but I'm not really doing anything to sell myself. And in fact, if I'm miserable at home, I'm probably miserable to work with. So socially at work, I'm probably not helping myself. And economically, I'm not going anywhere right now anyway. Plus we're in an economic downturn. So you start to make all these excuses as to why you don't pull the trigger, get your resume together and get out there and find a better job and a better way of life. There's all these other things. Environmentally, you might say to yourself, well, I work from home now. So as much as I hate my job, I don't want to go back into an office. And most places are bringing people back to the office. I don't want to do that. I have a lot of flexibility in what I do. So you make these environmental choices as well. And using a sustainability mindset means that you are going to take a look at the long-term implications of not doing anything first to see why you really need to make the change. Change is a choice. So adopting a sustainability mindset toward that change means that you're constantly reminding yourself of the implications that could affect you long-term, which could affect your life and well-being. 
depression sets in, anxiety can't be good for your heart, may not be eating right, you may not be exercising, you may be more sedentary working from home. So adopting a sustainability mindset can be not only helpful, but it can be healthy. Knowing that you're working towards an end that will get you back to being with your family, get you back to the person you once were, the fun and jovial person that people love to hang out with. Maybe you take on an exercise regimen. Maybe there are jobs out there in which you can work from home still. Don't just write it off that that's not the case. Maybe there's some successful hybrid programs and maybe going back to the office might be good for you. But take it from a social, economic, and environmental level. And I will tell you that finding a new job, most people are are still very much finding these jobs are more lucrative, even in economic times that we find ourselves in, that people still hiring people through attrition, maybe not expansion, but still enabling people to do better. So you're going to get an increase in salary and you could really reinvent yourself in finding another job. That's part of a sustainability mindset is to see the positives through the implications. So that's the first step. Step two is to maintain momentum on moving forward with a job search. A lot of people have fits and starts in this because it gets challenging. We've done a lot of shows on job search optimization. I'd urge you and encourage you to go back to those programs this year and really take a look at them and listen to the ways to really determine, is this job still available? If you're going to use job search engines like Indeed.com and Monster.com and the rest, you need to go on the company's website and make sure that the job is still posted. And that's frankly where you should be applying, not on the job search engine. Sorry, job search engine people. In order to maintain the momentum, a lot lot of times human beings get very discouraged when they hear crickets. This is why also companies don't do sustainability well. It takes energy, it takes focus, it takes time, and time is precious. So that's as good as it doesn't take as much money to sustain programs as it does to build them. I used to say this all the time. One of the things we did, I worked on the agency side uh, for a short time of creating uh, training for organizations. And we would go in and we would pitch solutions and they'd say, great, you're hired. We want that workshop. You can execute it at our national meeting. And then we'd say, what are you going to do to sustain this? And they say, we got it. We got it. We don't need anything. They looked at it as as a way we were trying to upsell and make ourselves more relevant. We just want your training. We don't want your sustainability measures. Thank you. And they'd execute the program. And like I said, at the beginning of of this program, we call back in six months time and say, hey, what were the outcomes? And they'd say, we got sidetracked. We had a lot going on. It kind of fell to the wind. So I will tell you, sustainability measures, had they just reviewed them, don't cost necessarily much additional money. It's the execution of the program itself where the money is focused. So you actually spent a lot of money up front to get no significant change because you didn't sustain it. And really the sustainability resources we had were pennies to the dollar. So not only is it not the money they think it is, but what they fear is that it's going to take more effort. Most of the sustainability solutions we offered and many companies offer don't take a lot of effort. They're actually streamlined. So it doesn't take a great deal of effort. They recognize that at some point, people actually need to do their jobs, not just whatever has been trained. So the individual 
will go through a training that nobody's holding them accountable to. So why do it? Whatever you've been trained to do. And so therein lies the statistic I shared earlier, 87% of what is trained is lost if it isn't continually managed and, and you're held accountable to it by leadership. So what was learned and created this energetic vibe of, I want to get out there and I want to just, you know, use this sales program to my heart's content in front of my customers is doused by other things. So step two is to find a way to maintain momentum, to harness that energy that was initially experienced using affirmations. People can do this themselves. You don't need somebody to be coaching you 24 seven, even professional coaches aren't going to be on you like white on rice. The individuals can do this for themselves. They can make it a point to review what has been learned on a regular basis. Hey, can I have the slide deck to what's been learned? Hey, we worked on this coach. I took a great deal of notes. Do you have any other resources you can share with me to read and to hold myself accountable when you can't be around? These are ways of maintaining the momentum. Find ways to implement them in your strategy towards getting a new job. Monday, I'm going to do this. Tuesday, I'm going to do this. Wednesday, I'm going to do this. Thursday, I might read some more of whatever interviewing skills or asking really insightful questions. And then Friday, I'm going to apply to three more places. Parsing it out in digestible ways help you maintain the momentum. Finding ways to affirm what you've learned and to apply it on a daily basis by holding yourself accountable to it is a great way to maintain the momentum. So first adopt a sustainability mindset that engages you to want to keep things going and then maintain the momentum by finding strategies that work for you to keep things going. Because step three is creating a habitual practice towards mastery. Learning something once doesn't create habits. Listening to this podcast doesn't create habits. Maybe listening to it on a weekly basis has been a great habit for you, but practicing what you learned has to also be an ongoing thing. Any professional athlete, they are coached to continuously do whatever it is they do best. Hit the ball, kick the ball, throw the ball, build their stamina, dig deeper, increase their speed, stretch further, whatever the case may be. They do this day after day, moment after moment, repetitively. You need to do the same thing. If you are looking for a job and your struggle is interviewing, you need to be practicing interviewing skills in the mirror, in the car, in the shower, not obsessively, but repetitively. That's a very big difference. Carve out specific time in your schedule to be able to devote small increments of energy, keep momentum going. So as you're maintaining the momentum, you're creating a habitual place toward mastering whatever it is so that when you get in front of somebody for an interview, you're flawless. It can be interviewing. It can be talking about your personal brand. Nailing those things means landing a job that fulfills you because you're asking the right questions. You're giving the right answers. Missing the mark and not getting called back means one of two things. Either you weren't a fit for their culture, they weren't a fit for you, or you didn't show up. You weren't prepared. You didn't practice. So when you get in front of them, it showed. So step number three is habitually practicing whatever it is that you need to execute on to be successful. It's important for you to plan and it's important for you to master.
Step four is when you're in a corporate environment, especially, this can be really game changing. And that is becoming a change agent. If your boss expects you to be negative about some change that's going on, drown them in positivity. Do the exact opposite of what they thought you would do. Look at your situation as a temporary situation and move forward with positivity. Smile in the face of adversity. When somebody says you can't do it, giggle to yourself, smile and say, I'll show them. You've got to make the best of the things around you while you're dealing with the adversity you're feeling. And I know that's super hard to do, but what I found in many of my clients, what I found in myself is that when I'm in a situation that I cannot change and I accept the fact that I cannot change it, I don't accept disrespect. I don't accept when people treat me badly. I don't accept, nor do I condone people just being abused. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I have accepted the things that I cannot change about situations that are not the best, but I'm using those moments to strengthen my resolve that I can move on and I will in a positive fashion by becoming a change agent in my life and in the lives of other people. I enjoy having conversations with clients where I can help them shift their energy from negative to positive. Even in very, very seemingly dead-end situations, I've been able to get clients to see they've got to trust the process for now to get to where they need to get to. But that's a far cry from rolling over, playing dead and doing nothing to get to that next place. That's a far cry from that. What they do is they accept what they can't change and they take that resolve and they fuel it into moving towards change instead of rolling up in the fetal position and just letting life take them. It doesn't work like that. If you want to get ahead, if you want to get to that next best step in your career, you've got to take action. And I help them with that plan as well. But what I help them do is to say, you've said no more for a year. You've said you've got to get out of there for a year. We've got to get you out of there. We've got to take action steps to get you out of there. We consider the complications of staying from a social, environmental, and economic standpoint. And then we maintain the momentum forward by making things digestible. And we practice, we practice interviewing skills. We practice job search optimization. We practice talking about their personal brand and getting the word out. We practice becoming a change agent by taking steps and actions forward. This is possibly the hardest thing that we do in the coaching process is enabling people to get beyond the psychology of it all. I have very often said to people, I am not an ist. This is not an original quote. I believe that Brandon Burchard, who's an exemplary coach, first coined the phrase or something like it. I have a, a friend, a mutual friend who was a Brandon Burchard coaching client. And she often says this, I'm not a NIST, I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist. And as a certified coach, you take an oath that basically says you're not going to do any harm to people, sort of like a Hippocratic oath. But basically it succumbs to the fact that if you determine that somebody actually needs counseling versus coaching and being a certified coach, you can identify that pretty well that you will back away and encourage that person to get counseling if they're not already. 
I have worked with a number of clients that do have a counselor and I've even interacted with their counselors to make sure that what I'm doing for them to build forward in conjunction with what they're doing to work on what's been in the past. That's what a counselor does. They work on the deep seated, deep rooted beliefs and, and they work very well with coaches because coaches coach forwarding the action, building again, helping people revive and rejuvenate their lives. And so What that does is it helps you become a change agent in your own life. Someone who was overtly negative can learn to be overtly positive using that very same vibe, that very same energy. We call it shifting catabolic energy to anabolic energy. And that's something that a coach can really help you with. And in the job search process, man, that manifests itself a hundred million times over. Imposter syndrome, we've talked about that on the show. We've talked about overcoming obstacles that you set up for yourself. These deep-seating, what we call gales, gremlins on your shoulder, assumptions and interpretations about what you think may be happening, but don't know definitively. Limiting beliefs that hold us back, that say, why bother? It's not going to change. All of that stuff comes from a very catabolic place, very negative energy, but you can shift that energy using the energy itself to take you to a very positive place. And fueling that, you tend to be further faster by putting the right things into your situation. Building a network around you, a tribe, if you will, and embracing that tribe to say, hold me accountable. This is what I want to accomplish in the next year. We talked about that with Gail Burns on the last program at 51 weeks of the 52 weeks program, where we talked about vision boarding. You can tell people and show people a vision board and say, these are the things I want to accomplish this year. How can you hold me accountable to them? Get an accountability partner. Put a plan in place and share it with somebody, not just your boss, not just your coworkers, but people like your significant other who could really help you maintain that momentum. That's that's step two. And it's helping you create a habitual place towards mastery. So it's really all the steps in one by embracing your tribe to help facilitate that. Very, very important. And another reason why coaches tell you to build your network particularly when you're searching for a new career, is that those people may be able to help you because they say, hey, I know somebody who's looking for a job like that. Let me put you in touch with them. That's what it's all about is to embrace your tribe and to lean into each other at times when you can be your most negative self. They can help you shift that energy quite quick. The final step in this process is really important. person asked me recently when I was talking to them about prospectively becoming one of my clients, and they said, are you a life coach or are you a career coach? So here's the thing. If you've been through a certified program of coaching, you were taught to coach. So if you want to call that life coaching, holistic coaching, we can call it that. That's the core coaching fundamentals. They can be applied to wellness. They can be applied to career. They can be applied to transitional coaching, whatever the situation may be. You specialize after you've gotten those core fundamentals and then you work on that specialty. What we are trained to do, however, is to coach in any realm of life that may be affecting what it is you're working on. So I can confidently tell you that if I am on a Zoom I can see them on camera if they're not putting good things into their body. They're sullen, 
They look like they haven't slept. They're sort of slumped over. They're not really, you know, in order for your energy to run optimally, you need to keep it healthy. And when people are operating in a place of negative catabolic energy, they're simply not doing that. We hear about it, eat right, exercise, hydrate. Eat right, exercise, hydrate. It is a habitual practice of mastery in and of itself to live like that. There's just too many times in our lives when other things aren't going right, that the first thing that falls behind is our health and our well-being. Mentally, if you're going to run optimally and you're going to shift negative energy to positive, you have to be running well on the outside. The chassis has to be running optimally in order for you to mentally manifest things. So I am going to bang that drum pretty loudly because I'm guilty of it too. I have a bottle on my desk that tells me when I need to drink my water. And it tells me to drink three of these huge bottles of water a day to stay hydrated. According to studies, this is the right way to do it. It keeps your blood vessels going. It keeps your, the blood pumping to your extremities. It keeps your heart healthy, keeps your skin and your hair healthy. And I live in a climate that's right now we're in the throes of winter. So I get very dry skin. So I know that hydration only helps me, but I probably get through an, a bottle and a half of this a day. And then it sits on my desk and I don't hydrate properly. I don't beat myself up because I've tried to make a positive change in my life. And that's how you become a change agent by incrementally trying to take steps. And instead of beating yourself up over failed attempts to do it, just give yourself the credit that you tried. And I've adopted that mentality, but hydration is really, it helps us feel warm. It helps us feel energized. It helps keep us awake even when we haven't slept well. Some people say, oh, coffee, oh, tea, oh, caffeine. Caffeine's a drug and it wears off. And when it wears off, it's like sugar in a kid. It can wear off. You can get headaches. You can get crabby. It's a crash. Hydration, the water in the coffee is actually more important than the coffee bean itself, the caffeine. It is actually a natural resource of your body. Your body is comprised of 98% water. So by rejuvenating its saturation in the body system, it keeps your chassis lubricated and it keeps your energy levels up. So hydration, exercise. Now, this is another one that people get all sorts of wrapped around the axle. It used to be you do some cardio and you do some weight bearing exercises. Oh, it's three times a week for 30 minutes a day. Or you got to do high, if you want to lose weight, you got to do cardio with hit exercises, high intensity interval training. You know, they've, they've got these uh, weight loss gurus and they've got some fad diet, or they'll say, you got to feed the body type. It's your metabolic body type. Or if you're going through menopause, it's only going to be that much more challenging. This is the diet for you. The bottom line is keep it simple. Keep it really simple. After you eat, go for a five, 10 minute walk. After you have your three major meals, have three major meals, enough protein, carbs, and fat to be healthy. Splurge every once in a while in moderation, drink six to eight, eight ounce glasses of water a day and try to get 
10 to 15 minutes of exercise every day. You don't need to run a marathon. That's how you hydrate, exercise, and eat right. You're not going to do it every day. You're going to want a glass of wine. But want the glass of wine and drink it. Don't feel like it's something you have to earn. And don't punish yourself if you do it. Becoming a change agent is a gradual process. You're not going to get it right every day. And you should take breaks. Reading, meditating, sitting in silence. Some people love it. Some people hate it. Those things have their value. One of the most important things I teach people when they're in a frustrating job situation and they want to get out while they're in it, excuse yourself, especially in a corporate setting. This is very difficult to do, but people working remotely, I was having people excuse themselves, say they have to take a bio break, a bathroom break, take their shoes off and go outside and put your feet in the earth. It's called grounding. And I think there's still a lot of jury out on whether it actually heals the body, but it does rejuvenate the body, if at least temporarily. It lowers heart rate, it lowers blood pressure, it lowers anxiety levels because you're one with the earth. There is some suggestion that it actually helps heal the body too. I haven't seen enough scientific evidence to really argue that, but I can believe it's true if you're doing it on a regular basis. And for those that live in, you know, four seasonal area, can't get outside, you're going to get frostbite, step in and snow. You can always go to your bathroom if you have a tile floor or go and stand on a wood floor in your home. Any natural surface, linoleum is not going to work. <laughs> But all of these natural surfaces with bare feet can tend to help you. So rugs and linoleum out, but wood and tile would work. Cement flooring in your basement too can also be very grounded because you're getting back to source. I have a friend that calls it Gus, which is funny because that's my husband's name. God, universe, or source, whatever you believe, it gets you back to that sort of primal being and it helps to center you. There is a great book by Hal Elrod that speaks to getting your body in order, getting your life in order one day at a time. And it's by starting with these things he calls savers. The book is called The Miracle Morning and savers are an element to the book. That I think were a real pinnacle moment for me to adopt. A lot of people will talk about the best way to start their day positively. And I was I was certainly one of these people, is to get up before everybody else, have their coffee or their tea. I have my eight ounces of water and then I have coffee or tea. It's to do these things called SAVERS and SAVERS is an acronym. The first five minutes of that hour before everybody gets up is devoted to silence. So just enjoy your glass of water or your beverage for five minutes in silence. You can meditate if that's your thing, but just sit in silence, listen to the sounds around you, take it all in. You can do it with your eyes closed or not. It's up to you. And then affirmations, positive things you need to be telling yourself each day. Some people use affirmation apps. Some people just Google an affirmation every day, whatever you see fit, but positivity coming in is more likely to bring positivity out. The V in savers is visualization. So again, you take five minutes in silence, five minutes of affirmations, and then you do five minutes of visualizing what a successful day looks like for you. What are you working towards? What are the outcomes, the long-term impacts of a, having a positive day today that you are working towards? If you are sending out resumes, that long-term might be seeing yourself in the job of your dreams. It's as simple as that. You do that for five minutes. 
increments. Then you get into two 20-minute increments. The first one is exercise. Go for a walk, do some weight-bearing exercises, do some stretches, some, a little bit of yoga, something like that to rejuvenate your body. You don't need to go run for 20 minutes at top speed. If that's your thing, do that, but get your blood flowing, do something for 20 minutes. Then the R is, so the E is exercise and the R is reading. So reading something, not social media necessarily, but read something that can help you with your long-term goals. Read something that helps empower those affirmations. Read something that's positive and positive towards your goals. Do that for 20 minutes. And then the final five minutes of that hour is scribing. So either in a journal or writing down some of the things you learned from what you read, that is that first hour. That's what Savers is all about. I love Hal Elrod's book. I highly recommend The Miracle Morning. It adopted some really, really positive things that really speaks to all the steps we talked about today to sustain a really healthy and positive life. So let's review those steps again. Step one is adopting a sustainability mindset, opening yourself up to the probability that if you are able to keep up with good things in your life, you make them, you practice them on a daily basis, you make good habits. That's adopting a sustainability mindset. Step two is maintaining the momentum. You learn something powerful from a coaching or you learn something powerful from 52 weeks of empowerment. You want to keep that going and implement it in your life. What steps can you take? Affirmations, upskilling to keep things going in that direction. How do you maintain the momentum? Step three is towards that creating a habitual practice towards mastery. Maybe that is how you maintain the momentum. It's creating a daily practice of practicing in the mirror on interviews if you're looking for a job, practicing the negotiation conversation or the personal brand story that you want to share with people. Step three is just simply to create that habitual practice towards mastery. Step four is becoming a change agent for others. Lead by doing. And by doing it, you're creating a good habit for yourself. If someone expects you to be negative about something and they're tired of hearing you yammer on about that job you hate, do something about it. Instead of yammering on about it, when somebody says, so how's that job you're doing? Oh, it's the same, but I've decided I'm finding something else and I'm moving forward. I have my resume together and it's disseminated. Would you like a copy of it? This is what I'm looking for. So if you know of anybody who's looking for this, please help. And that's step five, embrace your tribe, bring them into the situation, let them help you get an accountability partner, somebody that keep, keep your head in the game. It's all about sustainability, maintaining momentum. And the final thing is, if you're going to be healthy on the inside, the outside has to be healthy too. So in order for the engine to run, you need to keep it healthy by hydrating, eating right, exercising as best you can, and don't beat yourself up if you fall off the wagon. It happens. Read positive things. Do positive things. Don't scroll your social media when you wake up or before you go to bed. And don't do it during the day. Don't do it at all if that's where it takes you to. Negative town. But you know, none of these steps and none of the things that we trained you to do or shared with you in 52 weeks 
will matter if you don't take action on them. And that's the sustainability that falls by the wayside first. It's taking your foot off the pedal. And Lord knows I have been guilty of it in my life. The way to making things happen is all about will. A lot of people have been asking me, what are you going to do after 52 weeks? of empowerment is over. First, I'm going to keep these shows up because I think they serve a valuable and timeless purpose to people that are looking to be better than they are today. And I really hope you're ending this year better than we found you. That first week, January 3rd, in our first episode where we told you to set the course for the year with an abundance mindset. The will to change is what happens when People, no matter what adversity they have, no matter what their mindset can run to, are able to keep the momentum going. They're all about sustainable. None of the things you want in life will be sustainable or attainable if you don't have the will to go after them. In the nine years that I've been a professional coach, I have found that some people are incredibly dedicated to their success and they rise no matter what affects them. illness, near death, natural disasters, bankruptcy, abject life changes like divorce or death. I even had a client who had an amputation. Nothing holds these people back. They're able to overcome incredible odds because will gets them there. They are will-driven individuals. And so it prompted me to ask an existential question of people. I reached out to professional coaches and athletes at both the collegiate and professional levels. I talked to CEOs who've lost it all and built big businesses time and again. I have spoken to cancer survivors and other rare disease survivors, people who've lost everything in hurricanes and tsunamis and earthquakes and addicts who've almost died and lived to rebuild their lives. People who in the throes of trauma have come back from adversity time and again, and they've all done the same thing. They've harnessed will to thrive. So it begs the question, are people born with will? Can it be learned behavior or is it learned behavior that drives will out of people's lives? It drives passion out of people. When you consider the fact that people can be raised in the same environment, I know of siblings who were raised, given the same opportunities, facing the same adversities, one thrives and the other is defeated. One chooses the high road versus a life of struggle. Is will a choice? What drives people to succeed? What drives people to rise above situations that others become victim to? And in 2023, we're going to examine the lives of 20 people who've overcome incredible obstacles and tapped into will to be successful. We're going to really examine is will free as they say it is free will, or does it come with an incredible price that you have to pay in order to exercise it freely? We're going to talk to some of the deepest thinkers on this planet to share examples of incredible bravery and moments of intense survival that people have emerged from with incredible poise and completely rebuilt their lives to become better than it was prior. We're going to share all of this with you in 2023 when we launch our new podcast, The Story of Will, An Experiment of Hope coming to you in March of 2023. We invite you to that journey. We are so grateful for you to have been on this journey with us. And we really, truly hope it has helped many people attain the jobs that they were looking to fulfill them. 
For now, I want to say thank you to everyone. We reached a fair amount of people in 2022, and we hope that you'll share this podcast with others who may benefit from its wisdom. My intent was to pay forward what was given to me as someone searching for a better career and a sense of professional purpose that at that time in my life was non-existent and share my network of like-minded individuals, coaches, HR executives, CEOs, business development professionals who could enrich people and bring them opportunity in the wake of a great resignation. I wanted to empower people to seek their true career potential, and I hope I've done that. I very rarely discussed my business. I'm a career empowerment coach. I own a business here in the Boston area that caters to individuals looking to pivot professionally from college or grad school to going back to work as a stay-at-home parent, to leadership or promoted positions, or to an entirely different career. As Steve M. Beauchamp and Gail Burns discussed this month, it's about your plan forward. And mine this year was to celebrate others as a thank you from saving me from my own lack of inspiration and got me to chase my aspirations. They're now realities. So I'll share one last thing with you guys. We don't always know how to live our best lives. Sometimes we need a tribe or an accountability partner or a significant other, but sometimes the person we need most isn't showing up is the one that's in the mirror. Take the time with the ones you love, of course, but remember that the person that you spend the most time with yourself needs a positive word every now and again from you needs to look themselves in the eye in the mirror and say, you got this. That's the most important coach you should be listening to is the one within. I'm so glad you listened to this coach and I'll be eternally grateful for 52 weeks of empowerment. Until next time, my friends, hopefully in March, we'll see you again in our new podcast. But until then, I wish you all the very best and I hope that your career aspirations come true. Stay the course, trust the process. I remember week after week to come back, same time, same place with even more power. Thank you. Mm-hmm.